All right. Let's give that summer slump a right kick in the pants with episode four of the Insert Credit Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gorblax-Jaffe, and joining me this week are three men future video game historians will one day call Total Jerks. Sniper Elite, Frank Zivaldi. How's it going? Bionic Commando, Tim Rogers. Uh, yeah. And Snake Eater, Brandon Sheffield. Salutations, I love snakes. <laughs> now, before... Brandon's Brand actually not a snake eater, because he, he doesn't eat meat. That's right. A uh, metaphorical snake eater. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, before we begin, I'd like to warn everybody uh, to stay far away from Batman spoilers. I haven't seen it yet. Nobody else has seen it. Uh, well, I haven't seen it. Oh, man, you oh, didn't say it. Literally nobody's seen it. Literally right. nobody has seen this movie. Wow. I've yeah, seen it. it's doing terribly. It's a big mistake. Uh, people are thinking they need to totally rethink this whole superhero popularity. I hear, I hear it only made $160 million. That is so noobish. <laughs> that is like the most noobish amount of money that you could possibly make. The Avengers made a billion dollars. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, so Batman... Well, they just he have to reboot it again. Yeah, or get him on a team. You make a Justice League movie. There yeah. you go. Done. They gotta make that Superman movie. Then they can do it. Mm-hmm. They can all have right. Batman. Team Batman. People will be, like, all chill with that. So, uh... I was gonna say that uh, I think we should do like something of a, a bathroom break after 30 minutes of this because I'm gonna, I want to let everybody know that last time I I did use the the restroom during all three previous podcasts. <laughs> I, I was I was sitting on the the toilet with my my MacBook Pro just like kind of very clandestinely peeing and my microphone didn't pick it up so I'm just letting you guys know that that is an absolute revelation I'm letting you guys know that on the air here because I, I I have to go to I can't sit in one place for more than 45 minutes I okay. invite all of you listeners at home to go through our back catalog and try to pinpoint the exact point in the conversation where uh, Tim was in the bathroom during our I, I can sure remember what point that was so, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see if anybody gets it right oh yeah yeah. We'll make a little contest out of it. Yeah, we can have, like, commercial breaks in the show. And, like, anyway, that's <laughs> that's that's my idea to present here at the, at the top of the podcast. Okay. Should we put it to a vote, or... What? Should we put it to a vote? What? The, uh, it, whether, whether you get to go to the bathroom. I'll, I'll, I'll die if I don't go to the bathroom. <laughs> I vote no. I will throw up. <laughs> no! <laughs> Brandon! <laughs> In case you guys didn't get it, we're all me, Brandon, and Frank are in the same room here. Yeah. The show might make it, this sound better, but it might make it sound worse. Yeah. So we're gonna we're testing this as a possible future direction. Uh, ideally, we'd all be recording on one track on one computer. We're gonna figure it out. All right. That, without further ado, let's get started. All right. Two weeks ago, we determined by a two-thirds majority that Bonk's Adventure was not a better game than Super Mario Brothers. But how does it hold up to Monster uh, World? Monster World? Oh, man. Which Monster World? Yeah, which Monster World? Uh, Wonder Boy in Monster World? Which one's that? There, there's the, the, That series has so many confusing name changes. I believe that that's number them. four, but that might be the thing where I'm wrong again this week. Monster World... Uh, Monster World 4 was definitely the best game in that series. 
definitely better than the entire Bonk series put together. The other four Monster was, World... Uh, four was the one that was not translated into English until recently, right? Yeah, when it was put on the old PSN and the Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah, I haven't played that one. I've only played uh, the PC Engine ones, which are uh, Dragon's Curse, which I think is two. And well, Dragon's Curse is... Uh, oh, wait, and what's the other one? And the other one is, I think, just called Monster World 3. Yeah. Monster okay. World 3 is pretty good. I'm looking Dragon's up. It's, it's, it's Wonder Boy, Monster Land, Monster Lair, The Dragon's Trap, Monster World, and then Monster World 4. This is the worst naming convention <laughs> ever. Yeah. It's pretty goddamn confusing to it figure out. It gets worse than that because you know you'll you'll recall that the original Wonder Boy was released as Adventure Island on the NES, right? And then yeah. there is a subsequent uh, Wonder Boy game that was released on the Turbo Graphics in Japan as Adventure Island. Yes, and that one had a uh, uh, Master Higgins. A.K.A. Takashi uh, Meijin. Yeah, that's that's uh, really confusing yeah. as well because no, Takashi Meijin's a real guy. Right, but the NES one had had him, but then Turbo Graphics had a Wonder Boy game that just randomly retitled Adventure Island. It had nothing to do with our Adventure Island, though it was also a Wonder Boy game like our Adventure Island was. But it did have uh, Takashi Meijin in it also. So the Turbo are you guys one? talking about? Yeah. Are, are you talking about Shin Kenjima? The new new yes. Adventure Island. Yes, I love that game. I'm gonna say that that game's better than the entire Bonk series uh, put together. I would say that uh, the one that I've played, which is the Dragon's Trap, I think Wonder Boy three on the Master System, uh, is yes, much better than Bonk. Is that the side-scrolling one where you uh, have a tiny little sword and you poke things and you can you eventually change into a dragon? I think that's like half of the Wonder Boy game. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's, it's the a, one that starts. Uh, Alice Symphony of the Night at, with the final level of Wonder Boy 2, where uh, you're in yeah. the castle and you yeah. defeat the Mecha Dragon. Yeah. But then you you get turned into a little dragon guy and then you go into town and have a little RPG adventure. Yeah, so I think that's Dragon's Curse on the Turbo So tr- us trying to figure out the tab titles of these games is, is not really answering Jaffe's questions, but no. it is it, a little bit more fun than playing uh, any Bonk game. Oh! No, no I, kind of, I kind of disagree, uh, but that's you know I haven't gotten real far into them because they never really grabbed me too much, so I, I can't really uh, I can't really confirm or deny. I'll admit that I had that Wonder Boy Monster World collection for the PS2, and we we had a one weekend where me and my bro Stabo just we played the bejesus out of them games, and uh, like it was incredibly difficult to get into any of them and i know that i'm sure a lot of those master system fans in the audience will will disown me for this but a lot of them are just kind of really really not very fun games but the ones that when you do find the fun in the ones that are fun you find it right away and it stays with you long time forever and uh, monster world 4 for example is rife with that monster world 4 just blows my mind how great it is but overall with the bonk game my final answer bonk games you know what you're getting into for the most part and uh, it's consistent whereas monster world is not so i'm going to go ahead and be uh, i'm, I'm going to be a diplomat here and say that bonk is uh, better than monster world in Hooray. i'm going to go ahead and say definitely it's got that consistency uh, mm-hmm. because they Certainly didn't release the most recent one, which was like uh, Brink of Extinction, I think it was called. Extinction. 
Yeah, that was the bot game they were gonna make for like eighty thousand dollars. That yeah. was just terrible. And you, so you like played it, it too? Yeah, it looked like it was animated by like a, a five-year-old. Yeah, Monster was, World Six Brinkstinction. No, 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 uh, bot. Bonk, no, Monster World. Then Mon- <laughs> I think in order to keep the names confusing, I think yeah. they would have to adopt a bonk naming convention. <laughs> yes. I think so. I mean, what I'm saying is, in, in, in a metaphorical uh, situation, I guess not a metaphorical, a hypothetical, same thing, situation where there's a fishbowl full of game titles, and uh, some of them are bonk titles, and some of them are Monster World titles. I would rather pick a bonk title. If I were then being told I would be forced to play the game I picked for the next 12 hours, I would I would rather it be a bonk title. I feel the same way about that. So, so a crazy person comes up and was like, do you want to play a bonk game or a Monster World game? You yeah. would say bonk. I think I, uh, in that situation, I would agree. This is the world's lowest stakes version of the Desert Island scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if they said if they said a Super Mario game, no, we're not bringing Mar- we can't bring Mario into this. I'm sorry. Okay, it's, it's not part of the situation. It might be like Mario is missing or something. If, if oh man, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's a crazy person, your crazy person scenario presents an idea that they would. It, it feels highly likely that they would go. Okay, Mario is missing that. Yeah, yeah, like Bonk. The worst they can do is I don't know the Game Boy version of Bonk, which is still pretty good. Yeah. Or the Super Nintendo adaptation of the cartoon Bonkers. Whoa, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that's what would occur. No, that's uh, actually a pretty good game, though, isn't it? Made by the dudes who made uh, the Aladdin Super Nintendo game. I believe and the so. Goof Group game. Goof uh, those are uh, Shinji Mikami. It sure was. Yeah, it's a little tidbit right there. It's actually a really good game. I, I've 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 heard from a source that Resident Evil was built on top of Goof Troop. Yeah, it is the Gor- Goof Troop. I was gonna say Gorf Troop. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we can we can save that mystery for a later date. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question: How useful are score aggregation websites like Metacritic and Game Rankings? Oh man, useful in what way? Yeah, to who? To any What use do they serve? I know that I, I know for a fact that in AAA game development, you'll have your producer riding your hide, going get on get on Metacritic and look at the top ten games and uh, look at the review blurbs and see what what the most mentioned uh, like features are in the one sentence review uh, poll quotes. Right, that, that Metacritic just uh, randomly pulled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's just, I mean, they're not really random. It's like they pick a sentence that feels like something. And I don't know, have, have either, have any of you guys ever submitted a review to Metacritic? No. I well, don't know. You don't, you don't really submit. They just scrape from a website. You can submit user reviews, though. Because oh, I remember user. when Insert Credit, we first got our Rotten Tomatoes account. Yeah. I, uh, I remember that we were allowed to pick our own pull quotes. So. Yeah, I know that when I was at One Up um, and they pulled reviews of mine, uh, they they didn't ask at anything. They just they just pulled it automatically and, and chose their own quote and randomly assigned a number to our letter grade that made no sense. So my uh, I think my B game uh, ended up being like a sixty-five or something on Metacritic. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't allow One Up on Metacritic anymore because of that. Um, but <clears throat> so. I think that it's when you say useful, it it tends to have like a good com, com, uh, connotation. But if you take that as is used for, 
Um, it's definitely used for people's bonuses sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's terrible, like, but that's the thing that happens. Like what, what people's bonuses are? The, the people uh, who work on the game, you mean? People that work on the yeah. game, yeah. It's actually in a lot of contracts now. Yeah. It's like you have to get at least... Uh, I, I remember I was working on a game with uh, a, let's just say, a redacted publisher name, and they, they were like, the game has to get an 82, you know? It's like, that's our target. And they didn't threaten anything. But then I heard a couple years later there that that publisher wants you to get at least an 85, and it's like... What's going on there? Yeah. Well, I mean, scores, the average scores in general, I think, are going up. You know, we're getting to the point where anything below an 80 is considered terrible by a lot of people. Yeah. It's considered hate out of 10, as they call it. <laughs> hate out of 10. I was, so I'll tell you one way that I find it useful, and this is uh, not a nice thing at all. It's when I'm playing a game and I'm like, man, this game is some garbage. I want to see how much everyone else hated it also. And then I'll go to Metacritic and rejoice in its low score. Or sometimes I'll see that it's really high, and then I will just start judging all the people that said that it was good. I think you might want to talk to some sort of psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely a personal problem. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I actually... Have never looked. I, I, this is. I'm going to sound like a, a, a jerk bag, but outside of the one job that I had, where they were asking me to look at Metacritic and snipe features from games, be like, what are the most popular features in the the games that have uh, the the top ten scoring games of the last five years? Like, what are what are the features that critics like? So I had to go to Metacritic and read the highest review scores, highest re, you know reviews. Outside of that, the only reason, the only time I ever visited Metacritic was uh, in March 2012 to see the scores of my own game, Ziggurat. At which point, I just read all the blurbs and went, okay. A lot of them were in Swedish and Finnish and stuff, and I'm like, well, they translate them into English for you. Yeah, well, I mean, I wanted to read the actual reviews, so oh, I it's see. like. That's like Google Translate pops up and goes, would you like to translate this into English? And I'm like, man, I could learn this language if I wanted to. <laughs> and then I just close the tab. <laughs> Don't patronize me, Google. Do you, do, you, do you ever have that thing where you get autocorrected and then you go, you go, grr, and then you erase the word and type it again? Yeah, of course. Definitely. Okay, what, was your, what were you going to say, Brandon? I was going to say that uh, uh, one time that I really found... Metacritic amusing was when uh, Deadly Premonition came out, mm. and people hated on that game. But then a few people, uh, nerd style, evangelized it, like Frank and myself. Oh yeah, I mean that's actually the the review that exists on One Up for Deadly Premonition was because I was unsatisfied with the Metacritic score. Right. So I wrote a positive review of the game that they interpreted as kind of a negative review based yeah. on the number, which is unfortunate, but... It still raised yeah. the score. And also, you know, after we kind of created this, uh, like, game literati zeitgeist around the video game because <laughs> we felt like it, um, subsequent reviews, like in Europe were really high, yeah. because by then everyone was like, no, this is a really good game with a lot of cool stuff in it. So then you could see on the same Metacritic page, IGN's, like, 20% review and IGN UK's 85% re- review. As, as somebody who played Deadly Premonition for an hour, uh, I can understand why the reviewers gave it 20s. 
Because like, they played it for an hour. Because they yeah. played it. Yeah, because they played it for an hour, <laughs> and because that that first hour does not does not present well. You know, it, it's just like, yeah, here's this thing and this thing and this thing. Uh, yeah, here's a game. It's like I I I'm willing to believe that it becomes fantastic. You know, maybe someday I'll get around to it. It just kind of uh, oozes its way into you. There, it's not like a. I don't want something oozing into me. <laughs> yeah, well. I wanted to. I wanted to get right into me. Oh, oh man. All right. Uh, yeah. To what extent did Sega do what Nintendo don't? Oh man, <laughs> that is a tough one. Man, can I give the serious answer? So you say. Sure. The the actual serious answer is when that campaign started, what they did that Nintendo didn't was uh, pay celebrities a lot of money to be on their games. Mm-hmm. Joe Montana, yeah. Sports Talk Football. Yeah, Arnold Palmer Golf, uh, James Buster Douglas Knockout Arnold, Boxing. Arnold Palmer, that guy makes a heck of a beverage, that yeah. lemonade, lemonade and iced tea. Uh, and and not just not just uh, celebrities, but licenses too, like like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, uh, yeah, they had that. And, I mean, that's what they were going for at first uh, was that Nintendo – was uh, playing the long game. Yeah, they were they were making their own IP and hoping for the best. And Sega is like, well, that's their weak spot is that they, they don't have you know names. They don't have names that people know other than Mike Tyson. Uh, Mike Tyson was like a fluke. I mean, yeah. they had that game without Mike Tyson, and then they're like, just put him in there. Yep. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird uh, Nintendo of America fluke, but that's uh, what they did that Nintendo didn't at the time, and also blast processing. Well, I think the other blast thing processing that they... was big. The other thing they did that Nintendo didn't was uh, uh, put a whole darn bunch of stupid add-ons mm-hmm. to their <clears throat> friggin' things. Like I, the other day, I was uh, tweeting a whole bunch of flyers that uh, Frank and Mike, Micah, and I uh, were were going through from a failed retail store, and uh, I just realized how many games they put. Both on uh, Genesis cartridge and Sega CD and Sega 32X and, and Game Gear sometimes. Yeah, and and it was just like, man, if you want to sell any of these things, put put specific games on them. Mm-hmm. Make it make it feel like a club. Yeah. You know? They like one thing I will say that uh, Genesis did that Nintendo was a uh, that doesn't sound as good. Uh, yeah, Jaffe, I wanted to point out by the way, your question makes it sound like you're asking. What Sega did in the past that Nintendo still doesn't do now, which I suppose we can address uh, in the in in uh, a couple of seconds here. But uh, I was going to say that uh, Sega definitely called out the other guy, which mm-hmm. Nintendo didn't do, which yeah. was the whole the whole '90s advertisement was, uh, you know, get out there and say the other guy sucks. Pepsi's for jerks. Drink Coke. You know, mm-hmm. like like Sega actually did that. Um, I mean. Sega definitely had a kind of uh, an edge to them that they sort of created via marketing, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't anything legitimate or or good, unfortunately. Like the the thing that I would say that Sega did that was really cool was they had a more open, somewhat more open platform where more weird stuff could snake its way in there. Like during the Saturn era, there was just all kinds of Bizarre garbage on that console. Okay, Nintendo didn't quite copy the Sega um, smear campaign, uh, but Nintendo did copy the sort of 90s tood campaign with the whole play it loud thing, if you remember that. 
Yeah. So suddenly you had people, you know, like women with mohawks and dogs making out with cats and all sorts of weirdness. Yeah, that, I, re- I really like the dogs making out with cats one. I can't believe they did that. That was insane. Yeah. Well. So that's what Sega did that Nintendo, it seems like. I guess all right. that's it. Edgy stuff, making games for grown-ups. My next, qu- my next question, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of futurism. Oh, nice. So, in the year 2027, what will video games be like for cats? Mm. Ooh. Um, I think that by 2027, we will, we will be playing co-op games with our cats. Yeah. And I think uh, Microsoft Smart Glass is the answer. <laughs> what yeah. like like cats uh, patting on laser pointer things on a screen? Yeah, and they're helping you out with your game on the TV. Man, that could happen in one year from now. That would. I know. Great. I I actually maybe we should not talk about this because it's something I actually want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get on it right now, Frank. Yeah, I really should. I think it's steal your idea. It's going to be all about Connect, probably. Like, maybe I that's think, the yeah. use killer app. I'm pretty sure Connect is the future. <laughs> number one. And I'm um, I'm pretty sure that that new connect that's got the million articulation points. I think that's going to be helpful for a cat because you've got the cat's tail. Yeah. All that. I mean, the cat. You know, it's, it can, it's hard. It's hard to get a cat to look at the screen unless it's something they can touch. Though I don't know if connects quite it. So if the cat is somewhere like okay, this really sensitive uh, one. You know, the really sensitive connect thing. I, I will assume that it's that it's just tracking the full cat skeleton. It's got it down. Well, yeah, it's going to be tracking like every single contour of the the, the animal's body. So okay, that's, that's fine. It'll be able to detect when a sleeping cat is purring, for example, <laughs> and that that could give you a barrier in Halo 16. Like if you're like if you pet the cat and it starts to purr and the connect picks up that it's the, the the skin above its ribs is undulating, it can then give you a special invincible barrier that can deflect all kill shots. That's so, a good idea, but this is not not a game for cats at this point. This is a game for humans that uses cats as a. Well, that's, that's why there's also the. Uh, the the headband peripheral on the cat's head that gives him happy dreams if you're winning. <laughs> I think the cat's just going to leave the room, though. How do you keep a cat in a room doing a thing? I think that the future of cat games is going to be kind of a virtual reality for cats. I think it's just yeah. stalking prey and... Uh, and murdering small, cute things and, and eviscerating them and presenting them to you as presents. Oh, yeah, see, that's the thing. You uh, you teach the cat about um, trophies and achievements, and so the cat can get these achievements for you and, and leave them as, as presents to uh, prove their devotion, so, uh, similar to a, uh, like a, a mouse liver or something else that it might deposit on your pillow. Is this, is this what's in Peter Molyneux's box, this concept? A mouse liver? <laughs> it's definitely a mouse liver. It's probably a cat. No, it's probably just a cat chasing its tail with a mouse liver taped to his forehead. It's just this animated GIF. I think, I think, uh, oh, he just, you just pronounced it GIF. Yeah. Which is correct. Mom's like you. Link Brandon linked to. Yeah. So, Mom's mom's like Jif. I'm a choosy mom, so I pronounce it correctly. All right. So I actually think the future of cat games in 2027, we're going to have food teleportation technology, also known as the the, the PSP3 Honeyport. <laughs> so it will be able to teleport uh, uh, cat food into like from a hole in the console. So that is what will keep the cat there. That yeah. and uh, we will finally the finally the the food uh, 
people will realize that the cat food people will realize that the FDA doesn't regulate cat food. So they will start putting in those like high fructose corn syrup and things that inhibit hormones like like and, and the things that inhibit leptin or whatever to make the cat not feel full. So we're going to have this outbreak of cat obesity, which is uh, the, the banner of which is carried by food teleportation technology for Halo to keep the cat eating and purring to keep your shield up and to keep him having happy dreams. We're just going to be sitting around having uh, having orgasms all day in 2027. Basically. This opens up a whole bunch of new concepts for Garfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, see, that's that's the future of uh, of, the lasagna port. of of artsy artsy indie games for cats, wherein you have uh, Garfield without Garfield, the uh, existential uh, cat indie game. Then, then cats get to be Garfield. Which is kind of what they all want, right? Uh, unless, unless you're uh, Sega, in which case you want Heathcliff, because that's a little more edgy. Yeah, Heathcliff <laughs> does what Garfield don't. Cheaper, cheaper license to get, also. I, I, I think Felix. Uh, Felix is free, isn't he? Frank. Frank Felix. Felix is Frank. Felix is a public domain character. Felix is public domain. God darn it! We shouldn't mention that. We should make a Felix the Cat goddamn platform game. Yeah. yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog is basically just Felix the Cat. Like it's the whole the whole world inspiration, the way the flowers dance in the background of Green Hill Zone, you know. Except they kind of add a little bit of uh, science fiction, you know, a little bit of that in there. Yeah, we could uh, we could add characters like Bosco in there, or uh, uh, that that clown that comes out of the inkwell in the Fleischer cartoons. We could just have this whole cartoon All Stars to the Rescue circa 1925 game. God I'm amazed there hasn't been a uh, a uh, uh, wh- what do you call it? Oh man, what, Smash Brothers! There we go. There hasn't been a Smash Brothers public domain clone yet. But like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Smash Brothers? Yeah. yeah. A Le- League of Extraordinary Literary Characters who are all public domain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like uh, Felix versus Atticus uh, Finch from To Kill a, a Mockingbird. And Zorro. Zorro is public domain. God darn it! God darn it! God oh, darn man. it! We could, we could have Sherlock Holmes uppercut Moby Dick. I want to make these games. <laughs> yeah. Sherlock Holmes yeah. uppercutting Moby Dick. I want Atticus Attic- Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird uh, uh, shooting uh, somebody. <laughs> she is shooting uh, Betty Boop. <laughs> they're they're in the uh, Kafka's The Castle. Well, that conversation took a really weird turn, but I enjoyed it. That, that's good. <laughs> Let's let's uh, let's find a way to keep talking about Do that. It. The next Do it. For the video game industry at large, is Steam a plague or a blessing? Steam? Yes, Steam. Oh, Steam is absolutely a blessing. Helps yeah. you cook your food. Yeah. I I steam broccoli, and that keeps me alive and ready and alert uh, for playing my favorite FPSs. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's gamer grub right there. <laughs> gamer grub, <laughs> broccoli, uh, spinach, ever the, all these things benefit from Steam. Man, I think that uh, uh, Steam is kind of the savior of the PC game industry because you know there was all this stuff about uh, how PC, PC retail was failing faster than console retail and PC was just drying up and gonna not exist and stuff like that. And they're moving into the digital download space, and EA tried some things, and other people tried some things. But until Steam, it it wasn't really happening, and PC games did look like they were somewhat anemic. I mean, not not that they were going to go away forever, but it wasn't the vibrant market of before. But now PC is like lead platform 
for uh for everything again pretty much it's like uh man it, it people uh can get mad about percentages taken from from sales and whatnot but that steam service is uh, pretty fantastic and and you know these guys making these xbla games they they make a little bit of money there and then they come to steam and then it's like oh wait now i'm a millionaire you know what Steam did that uh, nothing else did was create a sort of uh, culture where people collect games they may never play. Yeah. New games, I mean. I mean, there's always been like a classic game collector community, fine. You know, people go to thrift stores and buy Atari games and whatnot. But uh, this has created a sort of culture where people just collect non-existent digital games that they could theoretically download if they want to because, uh, you know, there are sales. Yeah, I, I see on my Twitter all the time. People are like, "OMG, such and such game is three dollars on Steam," and then it's like, I, I just, I, I always think of these people, and I'm like, this person seems to have bought like 25 games on Steam because they're talking about it on Twitter. It's like, I wonder if they're ever going to play all of those games. I think, I think the majority of the time, people just go through these sales. They buy a bunch of games for really cheap and never play them, which is fine. I mean, it, 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 good for them. <laughs> that what what they do is they buy it and they have the option at any time to to play it. And, yeah, have a nice little library there. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that that's caused you know even if you're selling a game for two dollars or whatever at a sale, that's caused a lot of sales that you would have not had any other way. And I think that has uh, encouraged a lot of developers to make more PC games. And uh, in a way, yes, I think it is a savior of the PC gaming industry. I mean, they did a great job of kind of creating a community there and and having kind of renewing the culture of PC games as as a type of game mm-hmm. um not 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 a type of game but like a class uh, of game because you can you can in the old days you could say this is like a Genesis game or this is like a Super Nintendo game um and you can sort of say that again about PC and I think that has a bit of something to do with Steam. Good old Steam. I, I Steam for me, meanwhile, is I have uh, some people. Well, one, there's one person I'm thinking of in particular and a couple of other people who are just like, why haven't you accepted my Steam friend request? And it's like, I don't know. I'm like, I, I have, they're like, well, this is your Steam ID, right? And I'm like, I guess. I'm like, I've, I've never used it, to be perfectly honest. It's like, do people do that? Is there like, it's like Xbox Live or PSN or whatever? Like, you have a friend list? I, I know I sound like a complete noob here, but it's like. Uh, yeah, my friend list is my favorite part about Steam. I almost never use it, but uh, every so often I'll get a little notification in the bottom right of my laptop. Oh, so-and-so is playing this game. And I'm like, hey, I haven't thought about that game in a long time. And uh, it reminds me that game exists. And then you might want to play that game. Well, that's not XBLA originally, or what, not XBLA, XBL, Xbox Live, I suppose I should call it. Like, I would see people on my friend list, and I'd be like, oh, I have that game that that person is playing. Maybe I could play that game, too. But I, I never fell for it, because I guess I'm not the, the, I'm not the target market for anything, except broccoli and, and spinach. And Gamer Grub. Gamer grip. Give us steam almonds. I wonder what would happen if you steam steamed almonds. I, I've put almonds in soup before. They get a uh, they get all plumped tasty. up and uh, they have kind of a neat texture to them. It's really yeah. It's it's kind of like they're uh, 
Little nut balloon. That doesn't sound very good. The way that I sounds said it. great, actually. I want that. Yeah, nut balloon. Yeah, just 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 uh, take some take some almonds and soak them in water for several hours, and they'll plump up like that. Uh, so steaming itself won't do anything. Yeah, you, yeah. You don't you don't need to just steam them. In, just put them in some water. Put them in soup, bro. Yeah. Put them in like a curry, like any any crappy curry you buy, like in a box at Costco. You just throw some almonds in there when you microwave it. You know, like you know, like the the foil bag of curry that you squeeze into a bowl. Sure. Just put like a bunch of almonds in there before you microwave it. And yeah, that's get, not gonna plump it up though. You gotta. They get tasty and tender. I'm not talking about plumping them up. I'm talking about them tender and delicious. Okay, I'm gonna do both. I'm gonna plump them up, then I'm gonna make a curry soup with some plump almonds. Yeah, that's that's the way. You got to do that two step process. Oh, that sounds great. And this is why. Steam has uh, become the savior of the PC gaming industry. Game uh, You get a whole bunch of food to eat. Please send uh, your uh, broccoli recipes into podcast at insertcredit.com and maybe we'll read them on the show. Nice. Uh, brown bear catches salmon. I don't even want to know what that's about. Let's let's continue to the next question. What do we got? Uh, Solid Snake, Duke Nukem, Marcus Phoenix, Kill Mary Screw. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, for this question, I would like to request that all of you talk in deep, gravelly voices. Okay. Yeah. Right. Always bet on Duke. Yes. This is Frank. I think you would have to do all three to Duke. You'd have to marry him, uh, uh, intercourse him on the wedding night, and then kill him. Yeah. I'm not speaking in the voice. I think I'm not that, speaking in that voice. Always bet on Duke. Yeah, because you have to bet on him always. That means you have to marry him. It's like, yeah. I made I made a choice a long time ago to always bet on Duke. Okay. So I I don't know what betting on Duke means in this uh, particular situation. It, it wouldn't be a happy marriage, I tell you what. No. Duke would not be a good guy to marry because he'd be going out with the strippers. Okay. Here's 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 my uh, my posit, which is that. Marcus Phoenix is probably a pretty dedicated guy. He'd uh, he'd be nice to his lady friend. So he's he's the or or his okay not necessarily lady because we're not ladies. He's he'd nice, nice to Dom. To, he'll be nice to you. That's right. He'd be nice to his partner. And uh, so I think Marcus Phoenix is the one to marry. Yes. Uh, Solid Snake is way cooler in like a cool guy kind of way. So he's the he's the one to screw and right. Duke Nukem. Is a total asshole, so he gets to be killed. I, no, I, I, no, I disagree because um, I don't want to be with any of these guys long term. And uh, Solid Snake is aging rapidly and is going to die pretty soon. Yeah, but so you remember this discussion marry. from last time. Yes. You, you had the same, the Frank, same argument. All, all Frank thinks about is how how old is how. <laughs> when is how long do I get up to do this? This yeah. is like this is like like Alex Jaffe's going to be able to put psychiatrist on his resume sooner or later. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so you think Solid Snake's getting too old? So what would you do to Solid Snake? Kill him? He wants to marry him because what? then he's going to die, right? Frank? And then you get to keep yeah. his money. He doesn't have money though. And then I'm not married to a video game star. I played Metal Gear Solid Four. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, okay. Anyway, uh, that's the end. So, you know, he, 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 it's actually really hard for him to die. Maybe, maybe at a point he dies in that game like twelve times. Yeah, you're not going to kill him. You're not. You're not going to murder him. I, I really am ashamed of having admitted that I played Metal Gear Solid too. But uh, Metal Gear Solid Four, same thing. 
<laughs> oh. Wait, no, they're not the same thing. They're they're different games. Uh, I I would go ahead and say that I would have intercourse with uh, Solid Snake just because, first of all, Solid Snake, you know, that's sure. a good name. Sure. You know, and also that's kind of the one thing you'd like to be able to say. <laughs> At yeah. least you know he can get it up, right? I mean, he's yeah, it's it does what it says on the box, mm-hmm. right? So you know that you know that he'd be interesting because he's an interesting dude, and you'd be able to say, yeah. You know, I went there, right? And then uh, Marcus Phoenix, though, having spent uh, many tens of hours in the, in the world of Marcus Phoenix and uh, having experienced uh, just the, his type of personality, the type of guy he is, you, you definitely know that dude would be uh, solid, dedicated. You know he'd be a good guy. He can probably – he can basically do anything, whereas uh, Duke Nukem, you know, the whole always bet on Duke thing aside, god darn guy, look at that god darn hair. And those sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to look at that. So it's like if I got to pull the trigger on one of them, you know, it's like Solid Snake ends up with an eye patch and a and a, and a tough dude mustache, you know, and he smokes, but he still actually is kind of cool. Whereas Duke Nukem is just he's a piece of dirt with a cigar and a, and sunglasses and a flat top. And let's get serious. So well, we've uh, we've uh, reached a two thirds majority here. Is what we've done. Yeah, that's, that's a two three M. Is what we call that. So okay, all right. So we're, we're. I just want to make sure we get it straight. We're sleeping with Solid Snake. Yeah. Like, bo- boffing is that the word we had before? Um, I, so boffing before Snake. I changed to screw this time. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, we're we're, bo- we're boff screwing Snake, right? Boff that Snake, yeah. And, and, we're, and we're marrying Marcus Phoenix, and we're killing Duke Nukem. Yeah. Um. For for the sake of this podcast, I will uh, I will concede it. Let's do it. Excellent. All right. Yeah. It's a consensus. Good old. Always bet on Duke to die. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Lavalet asks, "What are the best or worst lessons a video game taught you?" I think uh, uh, I remember when I learned the word "simultaneous" from the back of a game box, and I didn't know exactly what it meant. And then I played the game, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It was Contra. So it taught me the word "simultaneous." It could have just said two players at the same time. So that was the worst lesson. That was a good lesson. Oh. Wait, are we supposed to talk about worst lessons? The best uh, or worst lessons. Best oh. or worst. Okay. Mm. Um, well, the, the worst lesson I ever, ever learned was that uh, it's totally okay to eat food off the street. Oh, yeah. That's really gotten me in trouble. Turkey legs? Yeah, turkey legs, whole turkeys, uh, cans of Coke. Uh, chips out uh, of the garbage in undersea cities. Yeah. Pizzas. Pizzas, uh, broccoli. Like, uh, there's probably broccoli in some game. I don't know. If there was, I'd, I'd totally eat it. Potato chips out of the garbage in Bioshock. It's like the first thing you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's just your guy. You press a button and your guy grabs potato chips out of the garbage, and then there's just enormous, disgusting crunching sound as he chews on them. Yep. It's and like, so why did that happen? That's uh, not a lesson that you should take to heart. Is that it's okay to do that? People, people look at you. I tell you, one of the worst things. Uh, I mean, it wasn't. This wasn't precisely a lesson, and it wasn't precisely serious. But I did once say in college to a girl that I was dating, I was, I was like, you know, this, uh, this dating thing is pretty fun. It's like, it's like a dating sim, but in 3D. <laughs> nice. And uh, did she like that? She she liked it because it was it was mostly a joke. But I had actually considered like how. I could say certain things, and what would her response tree be? And that wasn't because of uh, 
dating sims because I at that point only knew what dating sims were. Theoretically, I had never played one. But um, it was more because I was just, just kind of a weirdo about that sort of thing. Uh, but in terms of uh, of good lessons, I would say that some games taught me a bit more uh, strategy and to think about different angles. Angles? Um, angles, yeah. Yeah. Than before. Like, um, it's a pretty dumb example, but uh, Dragon Force is a game on the Saturn where you're sending massive armies against each other, and it's really just a rock, paper, scissors kind of game, but you can... You can use flanking techniques to kind of try to surmount your your disadvantage if you want to play with a certain kind of character a whole lot. And it it was uh, kind of interesting in terms of you know learning how to uh, deal with a situation from from a different perspective. But that's not something that I could use in real life. It was more of a uh, maybe I could do my homework a different way kind of situation. God, God hand taught me how to uh, be the toughest dude <laughs> in in the entire universe. It taught me that it's it's okay to be the toughest dude. And then you never stopped. I never stopped. I'm still handing the God all over the place. Yeah. Tetris taught me that. Uh, I think a good Tetris is kind of a good lesson. It's kind of a good lesson for a ten yeah. year old to have. It's just like it's telling you that you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. But you can you can move your furniture and everything around all you want. But, <laughs> You're still gonna die eventually. But uh, it's not gonna keep you from getting cancer or whatever. Like you, you know, know, I think uh, one maybe maybe a a good lesson that I learned from Street Fighter is that you can well okay I learned it first from classic literature, but uh, <laughs> oh that doesn't count then. I also learned it from Street Fighter in a slightly different, in a more um, practical and realistic way that, uh, and with the literature it was more theoretical, that you can get good at something to to the point where you're better than everyone that you know, but there's always someone better than you. I learned uh, that from chess. Yeah, chess is a real good one for that. Uh, but yeah, Street Fighter definitely taught me that. In it, taught, it taught you what the, uh, the the 99th percentile feels like. Yeah, yeah. Except I was more like the 95th percentile, and all my friends just sucked at Street Fighter. Oh, that's a real shame, because you can't get better at something unless uh, you have spicy competition. My, my, my uncle taught me that about uh, billiards. He was a, like a... Like a semi-pro billiards player, and he's like, you know, there's nobody around here that's good enough for me to actually lose to, and it's just not cool, kids, is what he yeah. told me and my brother. And we're like, yeah, okay. And you know, we didn't really feel that, but then I played chess later, and uh, I, I started to feel that. And I guess you felt that with the Street Fighters. Yeah, and I think actually, it it's sort of a, a bit of a cop out, but. More things that I learned from video games are about how to make good or bad video games. Oh, man. Oh, oh. Here's one I can't believe I forgot. God darn Gran Turismo taught me how to drift a car. And then when I actually tried to drift a car for real, it worked. After playing Gran Turismo for hundreds of hours, I finally got in a real car that was capable of hitting a drift. And, uh... You know, got it into a parking lot, and it's like, let's give this a shot, and then it actually worked. And nice. I felt like a really tough dude doing that. That's a pretty good lesson. 
that actually is kind of – I mean, I'm being dead serious there. It's yeah. like yeah. that translated like one-to-one. That's practical like, real-world knowledge. Oh, and here's here's actually another one. I mean, I played a whole lot of light gun games, uh, and when I shot a gun for the first time, he killed. <laughs> <laughs> he killed. He killed that liquor store clerk right away. Yes, first shot. Okay, it, how about? Oh, okay, okay. We're done. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Inexplicably given unlimited budget, manpower, and creative license on a monthly paper and ink video game magazine, how would you run it? Into the ground. Yeah. (laughs) It would be a review of God Hand in every issue. And it would it would give God Hand a ten out of ten. Or we would we would change our review metric uh every review. There would be like there'd be a ten out of ten, there'd be a seven out of seven in one review. There just the scale would just drastically change for every game. There'd yeah. be we'd give an A plus to one game, we'd give a C minus to another game. We'd have an issue where every game got a ten. I would have a pineapple out of orange. Yeah, yeah, just fruit out of <laughs> fruit out of type of fruit. Yeah, I would. Um, I mean, so you remember that that website? Insert credit. Oh uh, yeah, I know that website. I would put that in a magazine. That would be my. Uh, so would, you mean like one? Uh, you mean just every every month would just have all the content from the previous months, and it would just be like like one third of a new thing every six months. <laughs> no. Well, I think he's just saying the type of content. That's what I mean. Oh, but we're talking unlimited budget. Unlimited, yeah. So what I would do is... um, I would get Oprah to be on the cover of every issue. (laughs) Unlimited budget, I would embezzle all of it. And I would would just write some some incredibly pretentious nonsense that people would think, oh, I don't understand it, but it's so artsy that I can't get it, and I would just keep all the money. Unlimited budget. I'd, I'd write off a new car so that yeah. so that yeah. I drive a... I would be like, uh, yeah, I'd be like, unlimited budget, I'm going to go interview Tim Schafer at Double Fine, and then I'd be like, well, I need a car to get there. <laughs> <laughs> buy a car and drive over there. It's like, I'm not taking the train with the plebes, you know? <laughs> Not on there with those 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 lower class uh, people who don't have an unlimited budget. Now I tell you what I would really do is I would have some actual video game journalism. Like we'd go and we'd try to dig up the ET carts. Uh, you know we would we would uh, you know go on quests to find these old guys that have disappeared off the off the face of the planet, and we'd ask them what's up with. Uh, with their video games, you, you would don't... go to their houses. My God. Yeah, I mean, Can I would. You imagine. I would. Uh, I Private would, jet. I would yeah. follow Eric Chahi around for uh, for a week and just see how he thinks about things. Like, what does he eat for breakfast? How does yeah. he uh, find you know, out what, what Miyamoto's new secret hobby is? Right. Find out what his wife thinks about his uh, his newest video game. Just interview his wife. He always get a video about... of his wife playing Angry Birds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Upload it to all the major streaming porn sites. You know what I would do uh, with my unlimited budget is uh, every issue would have a disc with twelve brand new AAA console games on it. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, baby! Yeah, I mean unlimited budget. Well, why not? I would I would have the coolest magazine. Would but, you have uh, the new DLCs on there, like the Battlefield Three maps and stuff? I would have DLCs that are only in my magazine that are oh, magazine wow. related. Oh, magazine-exclusive DLC. 
movies. I would. Would you also have your logo on like Xbox Live avatar clothing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe you're not understanding that all 12 AAA games are exclusive to my magazine every month. But you know, I I, I would basically create a, a, a another video game industry. Well, wait. How would you cover this? Yeah, why stop there? Have a console. Have your own video yeah. game magazine console. Being totally and realistic. Console ships with each issue. You buy an issue for five dollars, and you get a console and 12 AAA games. Would the yeah. games all be on the disc, or would it just be like download keys? Uh, well, we would invent a new disc format for the console. Yes, Red, Red Ray. They could fit like three terabytes of data. Red Ray. SD-ROM. Yeah, I mean, this would be years of R&D, but it's okay. We have unlimited money. Yep. Um, serious answer is basically Brandon's, however. Um, I would... Uh, basically, our dreams and ambitions are to run magazines they, the way they were in the 60s. Yeah. Which is sad. <laughs> it is it is kind of depressing like if if you know i would make the vanity fair of uh of of video games and that would be real fantastic yeah we could give real reporters like a stipend yeah then like go do something interesting and then spend a month writing about it that would be nuts i would love it it would be the best That'd be cool. I would rather have a uh, I would rather have a TV show that runs something like a talk show, like a like a David Letterman style well, thing. It would have to be a spinoff from the magazine because that's how you'd have to allocate the budget. Yeah, it would have to be connected, and then we would have like one guest where we would sit with the guest on a sofa, and we would have like a TV screen playing footage of their games and be like, you know, be the guest would be a game developer, and we just talk to them for like an hour. In in the style that we're doing this podcast here, it'd be there'd be like ten questions that are six minutes each that we would be talking about and moving along, and then you know we'd have some footage of them playing basketball or eating pizza. I would I would watch that, and I would like to be part of something like that. I would settle for just having like a thousand dollars for an article. Yeah. Being able, being able to pay. What do you mean? Somebody giving you a thousand dollars? No, 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 no. Just, just being able to give a, a, an author a thousand dollars to write a really great article. You have to be some kind of uh, polygon to do that, I guess. Yeah. A thousand dollars? Is it? Do they pay a thousand dollars for an article? I really probably. Got it. I don't know. They, 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 they have unlimited budget over there. We should ask. I mean, basically. They've got like a billion dollars, or I think. Yeah, if, if if you had unlimited budget to do a video game magazine online, it would be Polygon, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, that could be a little better. <laughs> yeah? Who is the most tragic character in a video game? Tim Rogers. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> that's me. Because I'm so sad. <laughs> and because I die at the end. It's uh, if you've played any of the RPGs in the series, it's definitely Luigi. Luigi, man, that goddamn guy. Poor, yeah. poor guy. Poor that Luigi. Guy. Poor goddamn guy. He... I would say a solid snake, but they didn't have the guts to kill him. Did you guys see the Sonic and um, the Mario and Sonic in the London 2012 Olympics trailer? No, but I want to. Where uh, all of them are doing these awesome sports, and Luigi is relegated to equestrianism. <laughs> yeah, Luigi, man, they just they take pot shots at that guy all the time. It's like that's not fair. Like they should be loving their own creation as God would. I, I thought Shigeru Miyamoto was benevolent like Jesus, and instead he's just letting them kind of treat Luigi like a joke, like Satan would. Luigi Jesus. <laughs> 
Well, do you think Miyamoto thinks of Luigi as a thing, or is he just like the Green Mario? I don't. I don't even. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that given Miyamoto's stance, uh, his very anti-narrative, anti-story stance, I would say he probably doesn't care. Yeah. About uh, Luigi, he probably just he's like the other Mario, the 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 uh, the instrument for another player to enjoy the game in addition to the first player, and for them to not get confused about who is who. Right. But but it's it's the uh, the thoughtless jerky. Uh, plot crafters over at Nintendo who go, let's just make Luigi a complete joke. Let's just make him falling all over himself in in every visual, uh, every theatrical representation of our game as a story in a world. Let's make Luigi just kind of bumbling and flopping and flailing. And I mean, even when he's the hero, even in Luigi's Mansion, it's like that's not a cool guy. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, uh, he's scared I, of everything. Yeah. Don't quote me on this, but I think his like his like power slam attack in uh, in Mario Tennis is like he flicks around and he like slams the ball, but then he like falls over and then gets back up. It's like they add falling over to like his his repertoire. It's like part of the animation, and that's just ridiculous. It's just this needless little jab just stuffed in there. So the it's like the audience is being encouraged to to laugh at. It's like in The Sims. Social, where you know you have the 100 coin bookshelf you can buy, or the you know the five real world dollars bookshelf that you can buy, and the five real world dollars bookshelf's description is this bookshelf is awesome, and then the 100 coins bookshelf is man this bookshelf sucks, but if you need to put books somewhere, you know that's what they do with Luigi, and it's like why do that? Why nominate part of your game as this weak jerk? <laughs> it's like it's like yeah yeah. There's Luigi. Luigi sucks. I'm gonna say that uh, I don't think there are any tragic characters in video games really because uh, I don't think games are really to the point where I care about the characters that much, especially not the playable ones. Cause like you know, I was just playing that Uncharted three, and uh, you know, Uncharted stuff, is- yeah, Uncharted three D, and uh, <laughs> and people were. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm supposed to care about this character and Nathan Drake and these Drake. other characters, and but I know that he's not. Wait, is yeah. his name Nathan Drake or is it Drake Uncharted? I thought it was Drake Uncharted. I think it's Nathan Uncharted Drake. <laughs> oh man, I, I thought that was a duck. What? What? <laughs> I thought that, I think you're thinking about Maui Mallard. Is, uh, <laughs> is he in Uncharted? I didn't yeah. get far enough. Drake, yeah, Drake, Drake, Maui Mallard, yeah, he's in there. Cool. Donald Drake. He's kind of a tragic character. Drake, uh, Donald, Donald Duck? Duck. No, Duck. Maui Mallard. Maui Mallard is a tragic uh, '90s creation that you know is in some kind of obscurity heaven right now. Yeah, man, I think I think Lester from Out of This World is a tragic character. How about Lester from Lester the Unlikely? Uh, he's he's just kind of a buffoon, but he's also kind of tragic. He makes those noises, those. Those nerd noises, you know. I've never known a real person to make those noises. What, what, what like, eh, like that. Eh! Like yeah. that. Uh! I mean, I've never known a real person to make those. I make those noises. You mean like? I, yeah, like that. I make those noises when I'm taking a dump. Hey, I hey, stop! It. That, 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 was no, that, did, that didn't count. I was it doing that. Well, oh, you were faking us. What? Yeah, I was faking you out. That, can I finish my joke, please? Yeah, you no. can. I'm gonna say I make those noises like eh, when I'm when I'm taking a dump. 
but not when I'm like jumping or pulling my or doing pull-ups. Have, have, have any of you guys talked to John Carmack ever? Yes. He makes nerd noises. Does he? Yeah, he does. He goes, he goes like Hoyle. Like, <laughs> he, actually, he actually makes like cartoon nerd noises when you talk to him. That's awesome. Is it when is it when he's excited? When he's sad? Or, uh, or sassy? I think it's when he's tragic. When he's when he's when he's talking about <laughs> cold fusion or jet propulsion or something. It's 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 he uses it as punctuation. Have any of you guys been on John Carmack's rocket that he built? It's it's I, I gotta say, <laughs> it's pretty nice. If John Carmack builds a rocket and then tries to fly into space, yeah, uh, and then like he doesn't make it, that'll make him the most tragic figure in video games. I think so, but it was character in video games. Oh uh, yeah, character. Oh, that guy's a character. Yeah, he's character. He's, yeah, you're right. Carmack's a darn character. Tim Sweeney, that would be a good video game. Tim Sweeney versus John Carmack. Yeah, but the, the problem is Which Tim Sweeney. Is. No offense to John Carmack. Tim Sweeney has already won. If we're talking about in the in the video game context, Tim Sweeney has just uh, destroyed Carmack in every video game respect. Uh, what about them shooting one another? Hmm. Yeah, I think that maybe Carmack wants it more because he's the underdog now. Yeah, but he's probably got enough. Uh, he he probably sits around, chills out, smokes a cigar, makes yeah. makes his little sounds while he does it. Shooting rockets. Tragic characters in video games is definitely Luigi. All right, Luigi it is. Moving on. Just so sad about that guy. You and your 13-year-old friends are prank-calling all the game stops in your neighborhood. What gags do you come up with? <laughs> uh, hello, is this Funkoland? I'm looking for uh, Sympathy in the Night. For uh, Saturn, U.S. Sympathy of the night. <laughs> Sympathy of the night. I wanna, I wanna pre-order for my kid. I wanna pre-order that new, that that new Oprah game for <laughs> DS. Y'all got that? It's like, and then he's like, what? I guess I mean the point of a prank is to make someone suffer a little bit. Yeah, I want uh, to suffer the game. Like G did. You gotta suffer. Yeah, suffer like G did. Right. So yeah. I would, um, I would quietly whisper. Uh, names of games that sound likely to exist but don't. Oh, so, man. you know, I would be like Modern Shooter, but do you, do you have Modern Shooter? <laughs> you have Call of Shooty? <laughs> um, and then I would just make up shovelware games is what I would do. Yeah. Keep going, keep going, though. Well, I was, I was just going to say, you just keep making them look it up. Mm. And then when they say sorry, no, then you ask about a new game. Uh, you know, do, do you have uh, Arachnophobia? And then you look to see if they have recognition. No, we don't have it. And you'd be like, I know you didn't look. I didn't hear the page rustle this time. <laughs> it's like arachnophobia for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. It would have to be like for Game Boy Advance. They don't really carry Game Boy Advance so much anymore. I think I would uh I would call up and ask really vague questions like, Hey, you got a you got Madden Xbox? Which year is that? You know, Xbox. Madden Madden Xbox. But but you know they 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 have a specific years. Is it, well, the one it's got the football players, and it's 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 the Xbox one. I don't want that Nintendo DS one because I tried that one and it was not very good. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I would do. I think just uh, call up and say y'all got that Madden, and if they say yes, you go which one, and then they'll <laughs> tell you what consoles they have it for, and you'll go. Is that PlayStation Two? You got that? 
I think I think inventing shovelware titles off the top of my head would be the funniest thing. Like, do you all have that Mary Kate and Ashley football for the 3DS? <laughs> you know? It's like that's pretty good. Yeah, Mary and just add for the 3DS at the end of any shovelware, and it'll it'll yeah. work. <laughs> oh man, that was y'all have sick. a that was sick burn. Yeah. Y'all, y'all have pigs in a polk. <laughs> y'all, y'all have Dr. Pepper. <laughs> y'all, y'all have Dr. Pepper hot dog cafe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it's I, the game where you manage a cafe that makes hot dogs. It's sponsored by Dr. Pepper. I think one of the good roles to do. I man, I can hear somebody typing. You typing up there, Tim? Having a nice type? I'm not typing. I'm typing. Jaffe, stop. Uh, Jeff. Congratulations, Jaffe. You typed. Um, I think the uh, I think the, the the good way to troll the kids in the in the game stops is to you know when when they say that they don't have that or that that doesn't exist, you'd be like, well, I guess you wouldn't know about it yet because it's you know it's this is privileged information that only I'm aware of. My son worked on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you say he's a liar. I heard a I heard a great real life version of that that was not in any way ironic or 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 purposeful wherein uh, a gentleman brought up Final Fantasy 13 to the counter and asked the uh, the GameStop employee hey uh, what kind of game is this and uh, and the employee says oh well it's an RPG and the guy's like okay what's that and uh That's and pretty good it's a game where you, you know you have a you have a character and it and he's got stats and levels and and they go up on and you go on a quest and and the guy's like oh dot 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 is that fun? That's <laughs> and, pretty god darn fantastic. Yeah, and then the the employee is like, well, some people like it. It's all dependent on your on your taste. And he's like, oh wait wait, is this is this like Zelda? And and at this point the. Uh, the GameStop employee just kind of gives up and says, yeah, it's like Zelda. And then the guy, after the, this conversation was much longer, uh, then the guy goes and takes the box and puts it back on the shelf, and he walks out, and that's the end of the... Uh, oh, okay. wow. Here's, here's my prank. Here's my prank. Ready? You call them up, and you go, when is that When is that 2K coming out? And the 2K, it's either that 2K or that Madden. So when's that 2K coming out? And they go, which one? You know, you know the, the NBA. NBA is the only one that's relevant anymore. Well, okay, the MLB one's okay. Can you guys still hear me? Yes. Of yep. oh, echoing. Okay. So, so you say when's that 2K coming out? And then they're like, you know, they they, they have a release date for like NBA 2K13, you know. But then you'd be like, so 13-1, you know, uh, when's the 14 coming out? When's when's what's do you know the release date yet for that one? Because, you know, I don't want to just buy it this year and then have to get another one next year. Maybe I just skip this year and keep my 2K12. And, you know, when's the, can I pre-order the 14? Or, or call up and try to pre-order 14, 15, 16, 17. Try to pre-order like, like five years' worth of them. Yeah, I'm, I'll, put it, I'll put the $5 down right now. Yeah, it's like I want to just pre-order all of them. And just, you know, like, you keep talking and be like, what console do you think it's going to be on in 15? Do you think there's going to be one of them Xbox 720s? Can I pre-order that? And then just, like, keep the guy on the phone for, like, a long time and then, like... Can I just get a running subscription to the annual Madden's, like, a magazine? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That would be my magazine. <laughs> yes. I yeah. think uh, I think it'd be great to... Put Oprah on the front cover of everything. Yeah, have Oprah on the front cover and it would With be... With holding a... Yeah, it would be Madden July 13th. 
would be like the the cover. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, if you if you called up a GameStop employee and uh, ask if they like Mario, uh, and regardless of what they say, the next question is, "Will you go out with me?" <laughs> there you go. That's pretty. All right. Good. That's that's the best one. Uh, let's move on to the lightning round. Yay! Yeah, everybody loves lightning round. Now, I got a lot of positive feedback from our uh, lightning round last week, so I think we're going to do something similar this week, except I'm going to introduce a theme. You see, what we did last week, if you didn't listen, was uh, I said the name of the game, and you guys had to review it in one definitive sentence. Uh, but I kind of picked games at random. This time, I chose a kind of subtle theme. Let's see if you pick up on it. Okay. Here okay. we go. Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is uh, uh, probably not the last in its series. I think Brandon and I probably had the exact same answer. Yep, we was just trying to figure out how to phrase it. <laughs> Final Fantasy 2. Final uh, Fantasy 2 is... Uh, Frank? Uh, Final, <laughs> <laughs> Final Fantasy 2 proves that Final Fantasy was not the Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy 3. Final Fantasy 3 is the latest. <laughs> in the, the latest in the, the unfolding saga of the last game, which is a fantasy. <laughs> Final Fantasy 4. Final Fantasy 4 uh, is the fantasy that made me decide it was time to stop having fantasies, because that one had uh, made me very uncomfortable. Final Fantasy 5. Final Fantasy V is a really decent video game with a neat job system in it. That's not punchy. punchy. No. It's not punchy. Final Fantasy V is the Final Fantasy game with the stupidest name for the main character. Final Fantasy V is the one of the best games with a V in it. Final Fantasy VI! Final Fantasy VI it was supposed to be returning to the series roots and so finally end the thing, but... Uh, it just put me in a Final Fantasy cycle again. Yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy. Yeah, sure. Final Fantasy VII. Oh, well, that came out. Final Fantasy. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII is uh, the underdog <laughs> series. <laughs> Final Se- Final Fantasy VII has the best graphics ever, and they will never be topped. Final, Final Fantasy VIII. Fantasy oh, sorry. What? Final Fantasy VIII. Final Fantasy VIII is the one with the tail sword. Final Fantasy VIII is a game I got all the way to the end of, and I still didn't find out what it was that had been eaten by the game. Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> oh, I get it. That's a joke. Yeah. It's like complete your sentences, game titles. This was the tail sword in uh, in eight or nine. That was nine. Really? That was, that was nine. nine. Okay. I'm Speaking wrong. of which, Final Fantasy IX. Uh, Final Fantasy IX had a tail sword. Okay, Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X was... Was uh, the sequel to the one that had a tail sword. Yeah. Final Final Fantasy XI. Final Fantasy VII's one of them online games. Uh, Final Fantasy XII. Final Fantasy XII's pretty good. Final Fantasy XII is the game that gave Matsuno a nervous breakdown. That is true. Yeah, that's real sad. Final Fantasy XIII... Final Fantasy Thirteen is uh, something I wish I'd never touched. Final, Final Fantasy Thirteen is inarguably the greatest game in the series. 
Final Fantasy Thir Final Fantasy Thirteen's na uh, main character gave us the name for this round that we're playing right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to make it that far, and I was hoping that one of you would make that joke. Now, to top it off, let's say Final Fantasy fourteen. Okay, here's a great one for this. Final Fantasy fourteen is the game that canceled my video game that I was narrative director on. The end. Ooh. That's oh, that was the sound. That was the sound. That was the sound of your game getting canceled. Yeah. <laughs> sound of sad people. Well, that's it for episode four of the Insert Credit Podcast, but before we go, would anyone like to plug anything? I would like to plug my computer in because its battery is almost dead. <laughs> Tim, I understand you're working on some kind of video game. Yeah, uh, hopefully next week I'll be able to talk about it in an extent where I can say it's on the App Store, go buy it. Uh, Brandon, what are you doing lately with your Necrosoft? Man, uh, I'm getting two games that I'm maybe about to sign, depending on whether I do or do not do that. And uh, that that Oh Deer game that I was talking about, I'm pretty dang sure that's happening. So if, if people like running over deer with their car... Or, or not, not running, running over deer, deer with their car. Yeah, then uh, then please, please to anticipate. Uh, and I am uh, possibly making a game for Rob the Robot. Wow. Yeah. Nice. So uh, stay tuned, insert credit uh, listeners, for more about that. Exclusive news on Rob the Robot development. You heard it here right. first. All right. So uh, join us next week when our topic will be talking about stuff. Mm -hmm. I look forward to it. Yay! Podcast over. Yay!